assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with me doing my best to pull a building down on my head. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, there's to be a meeting tomorrow night somewhere in the city of Damascus between representatives of a country behind the Iron Curtain and members of a desert tribe from the Near East. The object of that meeting is to exchange prisoners. Exchange prisoners? Go on, Commissioner. Two weeks ago, the tribe captured a foreign agent who'd been giving them no end of trouble. In retaliation... Let me guess. The Iron Curtain boys grabbed off someone from the desert tribe. Right. One of their chiefs. So the deal's been made, huh? This agent for the chief, even swapped. How do we figure in this, Commissioner? We want to get our hands on that foreign agent, Steve. He's an American traitor named Stoller. Stoller? Well, well, our old friend James C. Stoller? One of their top propagandists. A vicious, clever writer and a killer. We specifically want him for the murder of an American army officer during the war. Have we contacted the tribe about it? No, I'm certain they'd turn him over to us if we asked them, but they've already made the deal, and if they backed out now, it'd place the life of their chief in jeopardy. We can't ask them to do that. Our best bet, then, is to wait until the exchange of prisoners has been effected and then move in and grab Stoller. Right. Get over to Damascus, Steve, and check with our contact there, a man named Barid. He's the man who tipped us off about the meeting. Find out exactly where that meeting is to take place and grab Stoller. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand... There you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. Here's a reminder to all of you mystery and adventure fans. If you enjoy dangerous assignment, you're sure to be entertained by Dragnet, another of the great programs on NBC Radio. Yes, each week, Dragnet takes you step by step on the side of the law in the solution of an actual case from the official records of the Los Angeles Police Department. From crime to punishment, Dragnet is true. Listen each week over most NBC radio stations for Dragnet, starring Jack Webb as Sergeant Joe Friday with Ben Alexander as his partner, Frank Smith. And remember, for the reenactment of an actual police case, listen each week for Dragnet, the true stories of your police force in action. my assignment, get over to Damascus in Syria and find out where a prisoner exchange meeting is to take place. My job is to grab off one of the prisoners, an American trader named James Stoller. We want him for murder. It's late Thursday afternoon when my plane lands in Damascus. I hurry into the old walled city to Barrett's small shop. He takes me into his living quarters in the back. There has been a change in plans, Mr. Mitchell. The meeting hasn't been called off, has it? No, but instead of everyone meeting here in Damascus, the exchange will take place at two separate points. The tribal chief will be delivered to his friends at a place near the Turkish border. And what about Stoller? He will be turned over to his associates at El Musabi. It is a deserted village to the east of here. When? Sometime after midnight tonight. 
Once the tribal leader has been safely delivered in the north, a signal will be flashed, a fire lighted on Mount Kadir. The signal for the tribe to turn Stoller over to his buddies, huh? Yes. Okay. How far is this village from here? Many hours' ride into the desert. I have made all the arrangements for us to travel there in a manner that will not cause suspicion. Yeah, it wouldn't do for Stoller's friends to know I'm on my way. There is a caravan leaving Damascus at sundown. It will pass through the village later this evening. Uh, will we get there in plenty of time? Yes. We should arrive at El Musabi well before midnight. Good. Well, I guess the change of clothes is next in order, huh? I have several robes here. You can select the one you wish. The one on the end, the tattletale gray job. That'll do. Here you are, Mitchell. Now, if you will sit down here, please. Hmm? Your face and hands will have to be stained. Oh, sure. You know, last time I got a facial like this, I came out of it smelling like the inside of an old tobacco pouch. <laughs> Berry juice will do as well. Okay, Barred. My face is in your hands. Barid and I ease out of the shop. I'm dressed in a snappy desert outfit, a creation of Hart Schaffner and Hassan Bay with a wraparound beanie to match. We hop aboard a couple of Arabian nags and trot on over to the marketplace where the caravan is forming. We finally get underway and start out across the desert. There's a hot wind blowing in from the east and it's whipping the sand around us, but it serves as an excuse to keep my head down and my face covered up. It's a long haul and the scenery is pretty much the same until we reach the mountains. We find our way through a narrow pass and Drop down into the desert again, into a small village. Hey, Barid, are we pulling in here? Yes, only for a short time, however. It is a regular stop along the caravan route. Well, I'll get down and stretch our legs. I'd sure like to wash this sand out of my teeth with a tall schoon or a beer. Down the street, there's a coffee house. Good, let's go. This way... I follow Barrett as we make our way through the caravan and the crowd of villagers who have come to bargain with the drivers. Then, as we reach the door of the coffee house... Look out! I got down. As the knife whoops past and buries itself into the door over my head. Across the way, Mr. Mitchell. There's the man. Come on! It is no use. He has disappeared into the crowd. Did you get a good look at him? No, only a glimpse. His face was covered. I saw his hand raised, the knife. That is when I cried out. Good thing you did. Otherwise, that knife had been planted right between my shoulder blades right now. Look, Barid, who did you make arrangements with for our trip? The caravan chief himself, a cousin. I simply told him we wished to travel east with a caravan. That is all. You didn't by any chance happen to mention that I'm an American agent. But of course not. I told him you were a distant relative. He's your cousin and you ring me in as a distant relative? Uh, we have a large family. He would not know. Well, he might be interested. He hates our family. I am the only one he will speak to. Oh, great. Mitchell, I have been thinking... This man who threw the knife might possibly have mistaken you for someone else. The robes you wear identify you as a member of a tribe from a nearby country. And as you know, there are many feuds. Yeah, so it could have been a mistake, but I think the gent who tossed that knife spotted this disguise and he doesn't want me to take this trip to El Musabi. Come on, let's keep looking around. mingle with the crowd, but there's no sign of the man we're looking for. Finally, the caravan is ready to roll on. Barrett and I keep to the rear of the column as it moves out into the desert, and we keep our eyes open. It's shortly before midnight when we sight the deserted village of El Musabi, a low, sprawling pile of mud huts sitting quietly in the moonlight. As the caravan files through the main drag, Barrett and I slip back, then ease off into the shadows. The caravan rolls on, disappears. 
We tie up the horses and spend the next few minutes cautiously exploring the village. Then, as we emerge on a small back street... Look, Mr. Mitchell. Parked behind that mud hut. A desert car. Yeah. One of those half-track jobs. Seems like we have company. Inside the house. Is that a light? It is. Come on, let's have a look. You see anyone? Yeah. A man stretched out on a cot. Looks like he's taking a nap. You there. What do you want? Oh, oh, more company. A woman coming down the street, British by the sound of her voice. You better do the talking, Barry. We're just passing through. You get it? Do you wish something? Good evening. We are travelers. My cousin and I, we journey to Zakare. Zakare? You're a long way from there. Yes, we thought we might spend the night here. You came with a caravan? Caravan? One came through a few moments ago. Aye, but we thought it was not due until morning. We had planned to meet it here, continue our journey. You hear that, my cousin? The caravan has already passed. What is it, my... Oh, we have visitors. Good evening. Good evening, Effendi. Please excuse this intrusion, but my cousin and I saw your auto, the light, and believing the village to be deserted... Well, we were curious. Yes, I understand. We've made El Musabi our temporary headquarters. I'm Professor Varel, an archaeologist, and this is my daughter. You're travelers? Yes, we left Aleppo this morning. Aleppo? You've had quite a journey. Uh, Myra, my dear. Yes, father? Uh, our visitors have had a long, tiring trip. Some refreshments, perhaps. Mm, something to eat? Of course. Oh, you are most generous, Effendi, but the hour is late and we have disturbed you. Not at all, uh, not at all, my friend. And there is the caravan to be overtaken. We must hasten after it. Oh, I see. Well, then, a happy journey. Uh, thank you, Effendi. Come, my cousin, we must hurry. A few minutes later, Barrett and I ride out of the village, and when we're certain we're out of sight, we circle around. Back in the village, we tie up our horses and slip into a hut across the street from the building where the professor and his daughter are staying. Mr. Mitchell. Maybe he is an archaeologist. Maybe he isn't. Perhaps they are really here in El Mustabi to meet Stoller. Yeah. He seemed to be most hospitable. Sure, maybe he just wanted a better look at us. Mr. Mitchell, the signal. Huh? Over that way toward the hills, the fire. Yeah, it's the signal, all right. The tribe ought to be bringing Stoller along pretty soon. We'll just keep an eye on the... What is it, Mr. Mitchell? Listen. A plane. Yeah. If that's a commercial airliner, it's a little off the beaten path, isn't it? There are no established air routes over this area. Let's get out back and have a look. It is, Mitchell. Look. Yeah, circling. Hey, he's coming around again. Gonna land. Who do you think it is? Not the tribe with Stoller. They couldn't have gotten here this soon. I doubt if they have any planes anyway. Only one answer. Stoller's buddies had come to pick him up in that plane. Then the professor, his daughter... I guess I was wrong. He really must be an archaeologist. Look, plane's gonna land at the other end of the village. I'm going over there. You stick around. But why? Keep your eye on the professor and his daughter. They've certainly heard the plane, and they'll come out to investigate. They could get hurt. Very well. I sprint down the back street on the double reach the edge of the village and start crawling on my hands and knees through a mass of boulders. Finally, the plane sets down, pulls up less than 30 yards away. There are two men inside. They sit back, light up cigarettes, and wait. Five minutes, ten minutes go by. Then I spot Barry's yellow robe moving through the boulders toward me. I motion him to crouch down low. He does. Keeps coming. I look back at the plane. They haven't spotted him. Then I turn around as Barred comes up. Yeah, he comes up fast with the butt of his rifle, and I catch it full on the jaw. Barred 
Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Everyone dreams of a rosy future when they'll finally be able to retire and really enjoy life. Vacationing in different lands, enjoying the beautiful scenery of our own country on a trailways bus, or just basking in the sunshine of their own backyard. Well, that dream can become a reality through United States savings bonds. And you don't have to be a rich man to afford United States savings bonds. You can buy a savings bond with a modest $18.75, or you can buy a savings bond for $7,500. But no matter what savings bond you buy, you'll get back $4 for every $3 you put in. And it's easy to buy United States savings bonds. Look into the payroll savings plan where you work. That's the automatic plan for buying savings bonds. Or if you're self-employed, ask about the bond-a-month plan where you bank. And believe me, you'll feel more secure tomorrow if you'll buy United States savings bonds today. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Mitchell. Oh, up. On your feet, Mitchell. Get up. Yeah. Okay. Hey, brother, getting tagged with a rifle butt on the chin is... Hey, wait a minute. You're not Barid. Of course not. I am Hasha. But you've got Barid's robes on. That's what fooled me when I saw you crawl up. Let us say that Barid was kind enough to lend me his robes. What'd you do, kill him? No, he is safely tied up. It occurred to me that for the present, he would be more valuable to us alive. What? Yes, us, Mr. Mitchell. What? Oh, I didn't see you, Buster. Please. It is Gregor. Flight closed? Yes, I am the pilot of the plane. You came to pick up your old buddy Stoller, huh? Quite right. You served our cause well. That is, until he was stupid enough to get captured. According to your credentials, Mr. Mitchell, you are a United States agent. Stoller is a fellow countryman of yours. Is that by any chance why you are here? You guess, Gregor. In any case, it does not matter. The point is, you are our guest. Oh? Gregor, see the tribesmen approach. Right, right, Asher. And our friend Stolar is with them. They are delivering him right on time. Bully for you. Ah, these superstitious fools. They pull their horses to a stop at a safe distance. Still afraid of airplanes. <laughs> ah, friend Stolar dismounts. Gregor! Welcome, Stolar! Who's that with... Well, 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 if it isn't my old friend Steve Mitchell... You remember me, Steve. Sure. James C. Stoller. Rat. First class. Say, I like that first class part. Of course <laughs> he remembers you, Stoller. That's why he's here. Now, Steve, you don't mean to say you came all the way over here to get me to go back to the dear old States with you? That was the general idea, Stoller. We like you so well, we'd like to keep you there, say, for about 20 years to life. Well, I'm sorry, but I've got no desire to see the Statue of Liberty again. That doesn't surprise me. Stoller, I've invited Mitchell to be our guest. You're going to take him with us? Why not? It occurs to me he undoubtedly has much information of value. Information he might be uh, persuaded to reveal to our superiors. Good idea. And you'll love the trip, Mitchell. So much that you may never come back. So I've got a one-way trip staring me in the face. They start hurting me toward the plane, then... I spot Stoller giving a quick look around out of the corner of his eye, and he hangs back behind Gregor a little. Suddenly, I figure something doesn't quite add up. 
I get the feeling that something's going to happen. Two seconds later, it does. Hey, machine gun! Over the ridge roars the professor's half-track. The girl Myra is driving, and the professor's blazing away with a Tommy gun. Twist into the plane! Gregor tries for it and doesn't make it because just then some of the professor's slugs rip into the plane's gas tank. The plane goes up in smoke. Gregor and the co-pilot with it. The concussion knocks me flat. Then I spot Stola running toward the half-track. He jumps in and they roar away. I get to my feet and run to Hasher, who's blinking his eyes groggily. I'll take the gun, Hasher. Thanks. Uh, explosion. It knocked me down. The plane... The plane just took off the hard way. I don't understand. Stoller's... Stoller's a lot smarter than I gave him credit for and a little too smart for Gregor and company. What, what do you mean? Stoller knows what happens to guys who goof up in his racket. He knew he wasn't getting rescued just because he was such a nice guy. They were probably going to deal out a little punishment when they got him back. So he got his friends, the professor and Myra, to rescue him from the rescue party. Oh, dog? Yeah, it looks like case of an old dog teaching a few new tricks. At least you will not get him either. Maybe not, but I'm still going to give it the old school try, which means the first thing is for you to show me where you've got Barid tied up. Now, come on, move. She leads me back to the deserted village in one of the mud huts. Barred's inside, none the worse for wear. I release him. Then we tie up Pasha and leave him there. Barred and I grab our horses. We still have a chance to catch them. I don't know, Barred. Chasing a half track on horseback—that's pretty long odds. If they get to the main road ahead of us, we are lost. But the travel will be rough and slow for them before that, and we can cut over the ridge. Okay, let's go. Yep. Cut it. Hey, brother, you weren't kidding when you said this country was rough going, Barid. It is our only chance, Steve. You see, even in the half-track, they must circle around this ridge, but we are going over it. What are those ruins down there on the flat? That is the ancient city of Abad. Not much left. No, a ruined temple. A few piles of stone here and there, that is all. Wait a minute. What is it? Come on, we're going down there. But why? Surely they would not stop there. Huh? Take a look behind one of those piles of stone. A glint of metal? Yeah, could be part of that half-track sticking out. But why were they... Yes, it is the half-track. Oh. Oh, oh, there. Oh. Come on. We'll leave our horses here and work our way in on foot. All right. Keep your eyes open and your gun ready. I still do not understand why they stopped here. There's your answer. See the half-track? Bullet holes in the gas tank. They ran out of gas. In that case, they are somewhere here in the room. Those shots came from the ruined temple. Okay, we're going in. We hug the ground and ease our way into the ruined temple. It goes back a long way. We can't see very far in the gloom. Most of the columns are still standing, but they don't look very steady. Watch out! Oh, brother. That column missed us by six inches. I barely brushed against it, and it started to topple. They're shooting blind. I... Hey, wait a minute. That falling column gave me an idea. Stoller, get smart. Come on out. Come and get me. I don't have to. We'll just bury you and leave you here. Yes, again. Okay, Barred. Let's both take a few shots at that column over there. You see how easy it is? You'll never get me that way. How about you, Professor? You want to get in the way of one of those fallen columns? He's the guy I'm after. Why? He's got the Tommy gun. After we get that out of the way, we can go in after Stoller. How about it, Professor? Want another demonstration? 
not saying anything, but probably doing a lot of thinking. Provide the barrel. Stop you, fool. Steve, it worked. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. He's still got the Tommy gun. Stoller got him. There's his Tommy gun lying out there. Yeah, but we stick our neck out after it and we get shot real quick. It is a deadlock. Maybe not. If the next move is what I think it'll be. Here, you take my gun. But why? Fire both of them like I'm still here with you. What are you going to do? Meet them in the parking lot. I inch back out of the temple bar. keeps firing both guns to make it sound like we're together. If my hunch is right, Stoller and Myra will slip out the back and try for our horses. But if they get there before I do, I'll be staring down a gun barrel and nothing to shoot back with. As it turns out, it's a dead heat. Just as I get to the horses, Myra comes around the rocks. Mitchell! Hi, Myra. Stoller, watch out! Mitchell! Yeah, Mitchell. Uh, let go! Do it. Thanks for the gun. Sorry, Myra, you're not leaving. Mitchell! Just take it easy, both of you. Oh, you're tricky. You're tricky. It worked. Yeah, sure did, Barid. Well, Stoller, looks like you're going to see the Statue of Liberty again after all, but don't be surprised when you sail by if she turns thumbs down on you. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Wherever you go, there's radio. And now is the time of the year to have your portable radios checked over so that you'll know that they work when you set off on your vacation, on a weekend trip into the country, or an afternoon at the beach. You'll want to join the millions of your fellow Americans who each summer take their radio entertainment with them wherever they go. And you'll find that wherever you go in this vast country of ours, you'll find a friendly station nearby where you can tune to the familiar NBC chimes, your invitation to the finest in radio listening. This summer, you'll discover that many of your favorite radio programs are continuing through the warmer months. And you'll also learn to know and enjoy a variety of new performers who are certain to please with their brand of radio entertainment. So accept our invitation to grand summertime radio enjoyment. Check your portable to make sure it works, and you'll know that you're all set for a happy listening wherever you go this summer when you tune the dial of your nearest station to the National Broadcasting Company Radio Network. Next week, Canada, and a killer who wouldn't stay dead. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. <music> Featured in tonight's cast were Jan Arvan, Vivi Janis, Ben Wright, Paul Fries, and Paul Duboff. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at the same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.